My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciacathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi everyone and welcome back. This is Patricia and today I am sitting down with Julie C. Seal Gostad. She is the CEO and founder of Miris Promotions. Welcome Julie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I look forward to kind of climbing through your prolific career. For everyone listening, a brief roadmap of the trajectory in which today's podcast will follow. It will be the same as all the rest in this series. We will first cover Julie's academic background and early professional life. Then we will turn our attention towards unpacking nurse promotions. Um, We're going to get into the logistics, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And then we will turn to some of the more specific areas within her company and how it functions. Then we're going to turn towards the goals that Julie has for herself and her company um, in between that for the next three years. Uh, maybe some scaling questions, expansion, um, brand changes, anything that could be on the horizon. And then we will wrap everything up with advice that Julie has for those of you that are looking to get involved with what she and her company do or emulate and mirror some of um, her maneuvers over her um, career. So a quick bio on Julie before I start peppering her with questions. Um, Julie received her BA in liberal arts from San Diego State University and earned a multiple subject teaching credential before embarking on a career to shape young minds of tomorrow's leaders. When she was laid off, she entered into a career in marketing and communications while also working part-time in field marketing on the side. Seeing a need in the industry for a higher level of brand representation in 2009, she launched Miris Promotions with one client in San Diego. Since inception, Julie has grown the company to an award-winning nationwide level, representing over 100 different brands and providing thousands of jobs each year. While overseeing the company's rapid growth across the U.S., she's continued her education, receiving an MA in Communication Studies from SDSU in 2011. Julie is recognized for her contributions to business and community through numerous awards and honors. She was recently named CEO of the Year by Business Excellence Forum and awards and received a Women in Leadership Award from the San Diego East County Chamber of Commerce. When she's not immersed in the growth of her business and team, she enjoys time with her two-year-old son and husband of two years, volunteering with the Rescue House Animal Rescue, going to hot yoga or hiking and reading. So, I, Julie, I'm so excited to kind of climb into, um, we have a lot in common, both professionally and personally. 
um, I'm passionate about animal rescue and uh, rehabilitation as well. But first, before we get into that tangent, will you drop us straight into your academic background and prefer early professional life following that? Sure, absolutely. So I went to SDSU, grew up in San Diego. Um, for the most part, we moved here when I was about five. And so I just always had SDSU on my mind. So I did all of my schooling there, which you mentioned. Um, but I went to school to be a teacher. And when I first started, I was undeclared and couldn't figure it out. But I kind of always knew in my heart that I wanted to be a teacher or in some sort of leadership position, just like my mom and my grandma and my great grandma. So when I chose my major, everything was focused on education. And um, I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. I got my credential at state. And all the while, I was doing brand ambassador work on the side. So I would be out doing sales and marketing for different companies, field marketing companies. And um, just it was a passion of mine just to talk to people and get them excited about brands and products and set sales goals for myself. And um, I started out as a teacher in the early 2000s when all of the budget cuts were happening in California. And so every year I would have to reapply and re-interview um, because I would lose my job every year due to the budget cuts. And finally, one year, they hadn't posted jobs because none of the budgets were approved yet. So I was like, I have to do something. Um, I need a job. And so I ended up moving to Las Vegas because they were supposedly so desperate for teachers. But their application process took so long that, again, I needed to find a job. A friend of mine was hiring for um, sales. So I ended up in sales. Again, still all the while in Las Vegas, I was doing you know, activations on the side, doing bar promotions and things like that. But I really missed San Diego, I missed my family. So uh, less than a year later, I moved back to San Diego on a job at the San Diego State uh, Research Foundation, um, which I actually worked at in college. So um, they had a position open in their marketing communications department. And so I got that job, got to come back to San Diego. Um, and really enjoyed the work. I worked with professors to help them find funding for their research or education projects. So I got to learn a lot about... Was that grant writing or... So I actually was out? the first step. I was, it was sort of like a matchmaking process is how I like to look at it. So yeah. when a professor had an idea for research and they were looking for the right grant opportunity or... Um, or any type of funding, whether it be government or private, I would help them find the grant that would be the best fit for them. Then they would apply and that would move to a different department. So um, I was doing that as well as a lot of communication with campus, doing trainings on finding grant opportunities and connecting with the university community that way, which I really enjoyed. And again, all the while on the side doing in-store demos and trade shows and golf tournaments and things like that yeah. because I was really passionate about that. And it was honestly really good money. So um, around 2008 or nine, I guess it must have been 2008, I was going up to Orange County quite a bit for one of the brands that I worked for and doing in-store demos and a distributor an alcoholic beverage distributor rep had seen me quite a few times at this particular account and said that he had a really great opportunity. Would I be interested? Um, and this was 
for a brand that was really up and coming, very esoteric. They were looking for people who were more educated and sales oriented. And so I took the opportunity. But again, I was working full time, also doing these in-store demos and events on the side. Um, also, while I started a master's in education, ultimately ended up moving into communication studies because it was a better fit for my what I feel was my um, experience and where I wanted to go mm-hmm. with um, having that type of degree. So this was the end of 2008 and I thought, ding, why don't I, with, their, with the brand's approval, train some of my friends who've been interested in getting in the industry and have them you know, work these events that they want me to do that I don't have the time for, but I don't want to let them down. So I did. I trained everybody. I got them everything they needed, and Miras Promotions was born. So nice. just an opportunity that presented itself, and I took it. And it went from you know being this side hustle to the entity it is today. Absolutely, and you were able to kind of moonlight the beginning stages into it. It sounds like you kind of you have a history with the industry from the inside out as well. I want to get into the logistics really quickly. So it was launched. Um, when was it launched? And was there anyone else who was founding it other than you? Did you take any money or funding in the beginning or did you bootstrap? So those kind of those nuts and bolts, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So it was all me. Um, it was January, 2009. So that we're on our 10 year anniversary. We had a very big party this past summer, which was a lot of fun to celebrate. Um, yes. Um, so, but no, it was all me. Um, and the the impetus for the launch sounded like it was this organic flow. It kind of came from you doing it, you know, you having this ability and having done it a long time moonlighting and this, this side gig that you had that became the, but when you finally chose to go full bore into and, and launch Mira's promotions, was there a, a tipping point? Did you finally, you know, was there confidence you built or was it, was there anything in life that had you doing it or was it just simply time? So it's a really interesting trajectory to where I was able to actually leave my full-time job. So Um, so I started in 2009, again, doing it on the side and that particular brand, they started referring me to their colleagues with other brands because we did have, you know, I mean, this is the time of when the digital age is just starting to go wild. And, you know, my biggest thing was when I, that I noticed when I was out doing these in-store demos and things like that was these people thriving on this human connection. And if they had seen something on social media or they'd seen something on TV or heard on the radio and they see me there with the brand, oh my gosh, I've seen this and I've been wanting to try it and tell me more and associating that brand with this positive human experience. And that at the time and still does set us apart in the industry because, you know, the people that I hired and we continue to hire are these really engaging people who Yes, there's a time and place for the very attractive people who just take pictures, but you know, 95% of our business is connecting with consumers and connecting with them in, you know, a, an easy to connect with way where it's just you know everyday people who happen to also be consumers themselves. So, right. in the meantime, they were referring me to other brands, um, and I was also doing the scheduling. 
for my brands at um, various retailers. So I was making connections that way, strategic partnerships. And in 2010, I was working with, at the time, the director of events at BevMo, and they don't have that particular position or department anymore. So it was a great opportunity for me. And she ended up hiring Miris, or me, it was just me at the time, to do all of the scheduling for all of their 100 plus stores for wow. all of these different suppliers. Yes, food, beverage, alcoholic beverage, um, glassware. So I had all of those contacts and connections and was doing all of that business. I ended up hiring an intern to help. And <laughs> again, you know, working full time, then of course working more than full time on Miris, I was drinking too much wine and staying late. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually I was like, something has to give. And I just knew this was uh, the fall of 2011. I left my regular full-time job and I gave Miris 110% and haven't looked back. Was it a happiness decision or was it that it was financially lucrative enough that it wasn't making sense to continue your day job? So both. Um, I, I have always, since I was 15 and a half, I've always had more than one job and had my time and attention into multiple things. And it was time for me to get into something that I was really passionate about, that I really believed in, that I finally felt like myself and that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, as well as I knew and had projected the business because um, BevMo was actually was contracting me. So I had a set amount per month from them plus all of the business I was getting from these clients and the suppliers that I was being introduced to. So I knew that I would have the income to be able to do it as well. Right. The, with the growth um, since that kind of first 2010 BevMo, you know, um, higher, I'm curious, especially with promotion companies, um, the, your landscape has changed so much, even with, you know, it's not just the advent of social media, it's the, the change within social media, you know, social media itself has, is on its, you know, it's in its toddlerhood. And so um, I'm curious how that has affected um, industries such as branding. And um, I think that that story is best kind of unearthed with your growth. Can you tell us a little bit about the growth that you've had since 2010 and um, the change in the climate within that, within the branding and promotions industry? Sure. So my company, what we do is a very specific niche within an overarching marketing plan or marketing campaign. Okay. So there, there will always be funding for that piece, especially with consumer product goods, um, alcoholic beverage, you know, especially as people continue to shop in store. Um, you would think that with Amazon and with all of the retailers offering online perks, purchasing and delivery online, um, you know, with social media and everybody being just so digitally focused that it has come away from people actually going into the stores and doing their shopping. And that actually is not the case. There are people who do prefer shopping online, but mm -hmm. there is still a very large majority who one either prefer or still do 
shop in a traditional store. Um, the other piece is that the field marketing piece of a campaign supplements the social media portion. So as I mentioned before, you know, say we're at a golf tournament or, um, you know, we are doing Kaboo or something like that. There's social media presence surrounding that particular event for a particular brand, but then we're also present on site to provide that human connection, which is what essentially helps to build, better build the awareness, the loyalty, because they're having that experience and connection mm -hmm. with a human. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that you, and you've really tapped into something about the core tenets of where I think that, that social media itself has kind of metamorphosized into, which was instead of it being this strictly online environment, anything that was text really quickly became attached to um, copy, you know, art. And, and so what I mean is, is image or, um, you know, stories, Instagram stories, things of that nature. Like it very quickly became videos attached to the message. And so I feel like that went hand in hand with marketing as well. And so what you're saying, you know, in this effort to kind of augment the social media presence, you actually need boots on the ground. You know, you actually need people there um, representing in order to, I think, have the social media presence that one would um, require. You know, you have to get that imagery up as well. So it does make sense. And it, it, I think I was interested in kind of what you were talking about with this, like, in addition to that, and that like accompanies it, but there's also this second hand. I think that it gets played down a lot as well. I mean, having a physical presence, regardless of the changing um, landscape of the shopping mall dying and things like that. There's, I don't believe as the human being culture that we are, that we're ever going to want to get completely away from, you know, right. person to person or contact or and marketing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, I wonder within that, do you, it's curious. So when you have a promotions company, is it, how much of it can you keep, you know, you talked about, you know, associating with um, a positive humans and things like that. And it not just being, I mean, we all, you know, can picture Red Bull girls or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. when you think of um, promotions and things, but how do you design um, your own ethos within your company? Because your company is based on helping other people promote theirs. And so it's, I think it's an interesting paradigm to kind of talk about how promotion companies establish their own identity in order to garner clients. Did you find it difficult to do that? Did it happen organically within um, Miris? Can you kind of speak to that? It's so funny that you asked that because I literally struggled with the same thing a few years ago where it was, I started working with a business coach at the end of 2015 and best decision, one of the best business decisions I've ever made in my whole entire life. Um, well worth the investment. Um, you know, everything I learned from mentors or trial and error. And um, so I, the company and I grew organically, but never really outrageous growth. It was always very, very steady and just small increments. And I knew there was more that I could do um, as well as stop there. So I don't know where I was going to go with that. Um, I knew there was more I could do. Right. But I, just didn't, I needed somebody to kind of help me. You know, there's all these things I wanted to do, but I need somebody to help me figure out like, what do we tackle first? And what are the real challenges that maybe I don't see because I'm not, you know, I didn't, I don't have an MBA. I'm not sure exactly about business. I've been learning as I go. So having her has been tremendous. 
So in the meantime, she asked some very tough questions that I never had to think about and had me actually analyze different parts of my business, one being the sales and marketing. And whether I knew it or not, yes, I had been marketing for my company and I had strategic partnerships and would ask for referrals and things like that. But to actually think about what is our what is our message? What is our, what is my company's vision? What is our mission? Why are we here? Um, what do we serve to do? Who is our target customer? Um, who is our A customer? And really build out the marketing and marketing plans and tools for my company has been ongoing for the last few years. But I recently split up the company into three departments uh, last year. And I now have a sales and marketing department and I have a young woman who was promoted within and she's my marketing communication specialist. So she does all the marketing for my company. Um, she does our social media. She does our blogging. She does our website. She does a lot of internal communications. We have marketing campaigns to our clients, to leads. She, and I mean, it's like, it's just insane because, you know, three years ago, if you would ask me, how do you market your company? I would have told you, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and when people do no. it well enough, you know, when you are making um, a, a substantial amount or, you know, you're, you, you are bringing in an income, it's mm -hmm. easy to, you know, to get lost in, there's plenty of work to be done for any founder, you know? And so keeping yeah. those, those avenues clear and, and mm -hmm. concise can be, like you said, business coaches, you know, I think that the entire industry is, has been brought in and, and developed due to this exact conundrum. So when you identified kind of this clarity within yourself as to what your brand was, did you find that you um, were able to approach a niche population and grow within that? Or was it just a clarity within you so that you knew when you were pitching new clients? Oh, gosh. Well, one you know, I really had to look at where, where was I getting my leads? What was the best investment of my time and the company's money um, and focusing there? But then also, you know, developing a sales script and actually having a sales process mm -hmm. um, for the marketing. It's, you know, there's different, there's different things that we do, but we do more with our internal or our, excuse me, with our current clients and the low hanging fruit. So how much more business could they be giving us or how many more people are in their company that they could be referring to us to get more right. business. So there's a lot of that. Um, we just started doing more with LinkedIn. So, you know, just kind of reaching out and staying in touch with people there, but it's all, you know, from, from prospecting to close, we actually have a process now. And then with our current clients, we have processes and hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. And yeah. so, um, and when you coming from a place of, I think the immediate, you know, in the past three years of change, it frequently lends to the next three years. And I'm curious, do you have um, do you have goals, the three-year, one to three-year goals on the horizon that you've set for your company? Do you foresee changes happening that you're going to be putting into place or are you kind of playing it by ear? Oh, no. I mean, yeah, three years ago, if you would ask me, I would say, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You, never, you never know where life's going to take you. Right. 
And now I'm like, oh no, I know what we're going to be doing, where we're going, and I know where I want to be. Um, so, you know, for the next, in the next three years, um, there are lots of different things that I'd like to do, but most pressing is to continue to grow my leadership team and grow, meaning adding one or two more people, um, but also taking more off of my plate so that I am solely focused on CEO things and activities. Um, so taking myself out of, out of some other things, but I'm so much closer than I was before. And we have systems now and I know the people that I want and, you know, we've been promoting within and grooming people. So that's really cool. And part of the reason I love what I do too. Um, also we're going to change our business model a bit right now in our operations department. We have, you know, one, one person, the specialist works with all of their clients in all markets and to scale what we like to do and what we're going to do is to actually create an additional position. So we'll have the one person be the point person for our clients or for the brand. And then we'll have another point person for different regions. So we'll have, you know, one person who handles all of the events for the Midwest, one person who handles all of the events for the Northeast, et cetera. So I think that's the best way for us to scale because, you know, with adding humans comes more payroll. So it's like, how do you really get to the next level? And yes, one is increasing your prices and offering more value, but also, you know, alleviating time and really having certain people focusing on certain areas as opposed to one person who's all over the place. Absolutely. We'll be, and then finally, specialty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then finally we'll be getting into new industries. So currently 80% of our business is alcoholic beverage, food, non-alcoholic beverage. We have some supplement clients, um, skincare, but I really want to get into the tech and auto spaces as well as really beef up our skincare and beauty business. Absolutely. That's, and those are cool industries to kind of branch into, you know, mm -hmm. tech and, and beauty are um, ever changing and never going away <laughs> as far as I can tell. Yeah. And also to give our team, our field team, some additional opportunities too you know, yeah. more, some additional exciting events and, you know, different industries that they can be passionate about. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I think there's an opportunity to be creative and then cross pollinate that creativity back to, you know, clients that you've got right now, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of, um, sharing talk at the proverbial water cooler, you know, between industries is kind of, Right now, even the biotech world, you know, there's a lot of um, places that are trying to get disparate communities talking to each other, you know, even like um, separate scientists working on separate experiments, having conversations and coming up with new and creative solutions within their own industry. Um, so that happening across all platforms, I think, is really applicable. And I think it's probably the birthplace of ingenuity and creativity and you know, advancement for our species in general. I'm wondering um, if someone approached you uh, tomorrow and said, listen, I'm going to start, you know, I've, I've been doing promotions on the side for a long time. I love the industry and I'm going to turn full time into my own promotions 
um, company, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual? Gosh, um, I would say the first thing is um, you need help. <laughs> uh -huh. hire, hire a part-time person to help you. No, um, no, I would say it's, it's easier than people think to start a business. Um, it's, and I think anybody, anybody can start a business, but you need help and support to be able to actually run the business and be able to learn the business because you can be an expert and be in an industry and be, shall we say the te the technical worker to be, to start the business if you're passionate about it, but to actually be able to run and grow the business, you have to be out of the technical work and in strategy and building people and leadership and making sure that the finances are in order. Um, I would say, and that's probably a lot of advice in a nutshell. Maybe that's more than three No, pieces. it's good. I think that that's yeah. true. There's a lot of really core tenants in there. And I like the kind of, you know, the polarization of, um, you're going to need help, but it's easier than people say. And then keeping an eye on like the logistics and technical aspects of it yeah. while it's still like growing it is, I think those are really key pieces of advice. And I love that. Um, if someone is looking to find out more about Mira's promotions, can you tell us your website? It's www.mirusmiruspromotions.com. Perfect. And I'm curious, um, we didn't cover it. And so before I let you go, what was the, what was the impetus for the name? What was the, where did the name Miris come from? Well, when I was starting the company, I knew I wanted the name to represent something extraordinary, exceptional, um, stellar, you know, any of those kinds of words. And so I literally just Googled different languages of how to say extraordinary <laughs> and then nice. came up with Miris. Yeah. Which language is it? It's Latin for extraordinary. Yep. That's kind of what I thought because <laughs> I don't recognize it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. Julie, thank you so much for sitting down with us today and kind of like mapping out um, Miris and your history with it and everything else. I think it's, it's a fascinating industry. Promotions is always something that I think will, you know, will be around and ever changing. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to kind of speak with us and walk us through it. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So much fun. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, thank you for giving us your time today. And until we speak again, remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch.